0: hello everybody and welcome back to we bought a dragon here on we bought a mic pop culture podcast talking hot d h o t d house of the dragon you don't have to explain it everybody knows what you're talking
1: about are you guys hot d and not just hod that's a clear it's definitely hot d um Hot D, See, maybe that's that was kind of affecting my enjoyment of the shows because I was just calling it hod You, like, yes, got I was going to say this.
0: You did text me hod and I was like, "Get the fuck out of here, House of Dragon." Yeah, I think that that was affecting my. Yeah, I, it's less we sexy. Stop this you know? I'm gonna
1: go rewatch the show now. Now that I know
0: that's hot D. Well, shout out, out to my everything. mom. My mom just calls it Los Dragones. That rocks.
1: <laughs> Honestly, they should rebrand the show that because it's a better name.
0: <laughs> I'm like, yeah i know exactly what you're talking about there's no mystery about what you're talking about when you say los dragones <laughs> the new show from hbo this is this is their follow-up to uh, a little television program called game of thrones uh pretty pretty popular tv show you might have seen kind of niche welcome my name's ernest i am hunter of house mob and joining us today welcome back Brett excuse Resident you of... Bracerys Targaryen
2: Targaryen
0: you don't got that blonde hair though I do I are do. you sure you're I dyed yet. it how yeah. strong <laughs> no I'm a Targaryen mm,
1: yeah I think that you're I think you're a fucking I think you're a fucking bastard.
2: look my parents told me I'm a Targaryen
1: everything's chill okay <laughs> I'm going to, like, stand up in the podcast and be like, you are a bastard. <laughs> Just get my head sliced off.
0: <laughs> you, reporting in from the realm of Californium, uh, the the house of Californication. Um, mm. Yes. And, uh, yeah, we were talking before we started recording that uh, you and Drew haven't been on the same episode since... Jumanji because Drew is famously anti-realm and mm-hmm. you're famously pro-realm. So it's like we can't we can't have you on at the same time if we're talking about dragons. Dragons are your favorite, Brett.
2: And they are. You can kind of think of us as like counterparts, you know. Like mm-hmm. you, you have me on, you just get him out of there and you put me on.
1: Well, you know? it's yeah, and I mean you kind of are two sides of the same coin because like whenever we mentioned Dragon around Drew his eyes roll to the back of his head and he just starts foaming at the mouth it's the same thing with you whenever we talk about like real movies
2: <laughs> right yeah non-fiction yeah. that's what happened I'm like a, I'm like yeah. a snail when you touch I'm like eyeball. yo
1: have you seen this new documentary and you just start like levitating in the yeah. air <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I am curious to hear Drew's thoughts on the banshees of I a Sharon a movie he's watching right now or he just watched because Ireland is a realm.
1: So a realm. I don't know what yeah. the fuck this stuff. especially play. 1920s. Ireland is like,
0: Oof. oh boy, that's, that's, <laughs> that's all realm all the way. Um, all right. So house of the dragon boys, um, I think, uh, listeners, long time listeners might remember that we did instant live reactions to the last season of game of thrones. Um, what a time to get in the game I, i'd shows. love
2: to i'd love to get a recap of, of how that went
0: <laughs> uh it was that was only like six episodes right six or seven episodes that last seven season, Fs, i think we, we got yeah. together every episode and got on the mics right S- after
1: slowly dissolved devolved into madness and tried to convince ourselves like maybe this is good I think they're gonna turn it speak, around. Oh wait, speak those are turn for it yourself. Oh wait. Oh, there's no more episodes. Oh, okay. All right. Uh,
0: Hunter was every episode was the one flying the flag of like, "Hey guys,
1: I think he could turn around." Okay, and I'm like, "Brand's the king," and I'm like, "You know, it's a lot to think about."
0: <laughs> so, and uh, you know, I think for the most part, everyone watching that final season. Uh, The consensus was that we were not um, too high on it, you know, especially looking back. It seemed like the the series really ended on on a low note. So going into this prequel, you know, follow up series, I think it was safe to say that like expectations were pretty, pretty muted, pretty mellow. Um, So. Let's start with some overall thoughts Brett like how did you feel going into House of the Dragon based on the the ending of of GoT and uh as it kind of went along we'll we'll get to like you know the the I guess you you can build up to your thoughts on the whole series but as it started like how did that first impression land on you
2: Right so, I mean, of course, like the beginnings of Game of Thrones were really amazing. The The highs were so high. I mean, even just looking back at the beginnings of Game of Thrones is just so incredible. And then the end of Game of Thrones was really rough. Of course, I'm a realms guy. I buy into the fantasy. I love dragons. I love all the Targaryen, blah, 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 whatever. But by the end of Game of Thrones, we were all exhausted, right? We spent like the better part of our lives just kind of having Game of Thrones around. So then- A great House show
0: despite the show. ending
2: sure that we have mm. to that's our disclaimer yes and then coming into this show house of the dragon right this is kind of made for me somebody who's really into the dragons whatever right i have my chair that this fucking targaryen chair nice but i those first not couple spiky. episodes it's not a spiky chair for it's those not listening. spiky yeah those first couple episodes are kind of hazy for me because i was like i started watching it with my friends and i'm like Fuck, more game of thrones like I, I had like this visceral reaction inside of me. Like I'm really going to be paying attention to this right now, giving them the benefit of the doubt. So that was my initial reaction. You know, as the season went on, I I became like all in, and I'm sure we'll get there. But for sure, initially coming into the show, I was super like meh on the whole thing, on the whole fantasy.
0: All right, Hunter, what about you? Same thing. Like, kind of first impressions going into it, and then just overall by the end, how did you feel?
1: Yeah, so I think despite the end of Game of Thrones, I still came into House of the Dragon cautiously optimistic. Um, It was a thing that I think that Game of Thrones towards the end there, it felt like they kind of limped their way to the finish line unnecessarily just because... um, Benioff and Weiss, and Weiss just kind of wanted to be done with the whole thing, just wash their hands of the whole show. And this, I was like, all right, we're getting some fresh blood. We're getting Ms. Miguel Sapochnik as a showrunner. That's at least interesting. He's directed some of the best Game of Thrones episodes. We'll see how he is a showrunning, because that's a completely different art than directing. But, you know, I I had some hope for the show. I'd say that the show kind of starts for me a little bit shaky, uh, it's a lot of just people talking. And Game of Thrones at its best was a lot of people talking. But at that point, it was a lot of people talking once I like knew the characters. And if there's one criticism of the show is that the season kind of almost feels like a season zero. It feels like this is just moving chess pieces around and resetting the board and reintroducing you to all these characters, which eventually we reach a certain point. There's a certain episode that we'll get to where the show like really clicked into place. And it was like, all right, I'm locked in like this, this rocks like, and now I kind of appreciate it for taking its time to get to these points. And it's not racing to try and like catch you up to like, all right, now we're in season four mode of game of Thrones because the beauty of game of Thrones is that it did take its time. It did take its time to attack to establish those characters. So, We'll get into like more of the specifics of what I love about the show and what didn't work as well. But overall, like, I'm just really happy to have a show like this back in my life again. Like, it this by the end, I'm like, cool, I have Game of Thrones back. Like, I have that kind of feeling again of like, I have that I'm ready for season two to come out. I'm excited to get back into this world. And like, now that I know these characters, we've had enough time jumps that now we have characters and, uh, actors that I can just attach myself to these roles and not like, Oh, we're, we're getting another time jump in between these two episodes. Yeah. Huh? Okay. Like it's a, it's we're a lot settled. of that to start, but we're we settled in sett- anyway. Exactly. The dirt has kind of settled down a little bit. And now I really, really like where we are at with the yeah. show.
0: It, it, it was a big task for HBO to come back to this world it feels like pretty soon right i mean it was a couple of years i think uh got wrapped up in 2018 18? i believe I say so, eighteen. yeah so four years i mean a lot has happened in four i years. I, dis-
2: I disagree this is, to me this is yes it was fast but where maybe this the right show, amount like the setting of the show is exactly where it needed to be for them to do it within this amount of time, right? Like, after this is all done, after Hot V is done, they're gonna pick somewhere else in history to mm-hmm. make a show about, probably.
1: Well, that's that's oh, what I, wanted I was gonna, to gonna mention- say real quick because it was actually 2019 whenever it, came, uh. whenever it finished, and it was supposed to come out last year, and I think that's actually good that it took three years instead of two years due to COVID, just right. Pushed production everything delays. production yeah. back, but like, I think if it would have come out last year, it would have been too soon. And I think that you might be right that this is like three years is the minimum amount of time in between yeah. these two shows,
0: yeah. And you know, some little behind the scenes tidbit here like, HBO was developing uh multiple follow up shows uh before Game of Thrones ended, so they were kind of like gearing up to figure out what the follow up show to their biggest show would be and they uh they even i think they even shot at least one other pilot for another show that we'll never get to see that i think it's um the one that was supposed to star naomi watts and i think that one was supposed to be about like the origin of the white walkers or yeah maybe i'm combining Uh, a couple different uh pitches Mm. but they kind of like had almost like a horse race going of what the follow-up show would be and this ended up being the one and i think they landed on this one because of all the pitches and all the different ways that they could have gone this seemed like the most uh kind of return to basics type of story of just like all right we're we're in king's landing we're zeroing in on a very contained story about this one family in The seat of power of westeros and we're not going to kind of go way way beyond the bounds of what people expect from game of thrones we're kind of upping the ante a little bit in terms of like having these uh you know more involved dragon sequences like heavy vfx sequences but other than that you're you're getting a lot of what you expect um and then on the flip side This is an HBO Sunday night show. And I think that's kind of how I approached it. Uh, Other than it being Game of Thrones and Westeros and back to this universe that we kind of got uh, to know and love. I just saw it more. as like, this is another big HBO show. And it just so happens to be in the Game of Thrones world. But to me, it was just like, there's just something about that HBO Sunday night that like just kind of I'm 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 in just already like i'm going to give it a shot like right now um white lotus season 2 is on and we'll see if it if it's like better or worse than the first season but i'm watching it cuz it's H- hbo sunday night right so i'm i already have this buy in and we checked in on this show a couple episodes back um and i feel like i was kind of low on it and i remember at that point saying that I liked rings of power more um, and we could get into a whole thing about like why these two big ticket fantasy shows were kind of released at the same time and pitted against each other and all that. But at the end of the day, they're very different, um, but you can't help, but compare them. And I remember being higher on, on rings of power and now that they're both done, I think house of dragon ended up being uh house of the dragon. Sorry ended up being the stronger show because it managed to focus on character driven storytelling. And I think that rings of power has these like incredibly dazzling visuals. And it's just like some of the most intricate world building you'll see on TV. But at the end of the day, it kind of lacked in the character department where this show went all in to the point of having essentially half the season devoted to the backstory of our main characters in their youth before we get to like the meat of the story of them as adults and their children and the conflicts that are set up before those children are even born. So there's a lot happening in this show and the process of watching it was weird. It was kind of tough to, to get over these hurdles of these time jumps, it it was pretty troublesome, you know, not knowing where the end point was here, but now that we can kind of sit here and view the entire season as a whole, it, it feels like a success. It feels like a triumph, even though kind of early on, I was like pretty unsure about some of the decisions. And each time we had a major time jump, I, I. I f- was very, very apprehensive about you know kind of being jerked around and, and not being able to do what we did in the original show, which was spend time with these characters and and lead up to these big moments over many, many seasons. And they kind of truncated it to just a few episodes. Um, but I think the risk was worth it, and I'm I'm very, very happy with it. Um, so. Why don't we any reactions to any of that, or or should we just kind of jump into the the episodes?
2: I'll I'll quickly say, yeah, Rings of Power to me at this point is like a colossal disappointment. Oh, <gasps> I I, I can't I, I can't believe from you. Whoa, I can't believe how I little not I care expecting about. Expecting that <laughs> I care so little about the characters, it's kind of crazy to me. Because I, I was in your boat and We we talked about this. You know, we were really high on Rings of Power at first because of how good the visuals were kind of the, prom- the promise of something amazing. And of course, the shows are just so, so different. It's too easy to compare them because of, of where we are right now mm-hmm. and them being released at the same time. But you, you have all these kind of different... In Brains of Power, you have these different storylines. You have these mysteries unfolding. And I found myself like... You know, sometimes you're watching a show with different story, ABC stories, and you're like, yeah. I can't wait to get back to C-Story, man. I really love those characters in this one. They just all fell off. I was like, I'm not really looking forward to any of these stories right now.
0: Not even Durin. The like the
2: if if anything was really good for me, it was the Durin. But I really yeah. hated Elrond. Uh, maybe that's a hot take, <laughs> but to me, he was just like a worse Han Solo. Man,
1: I have I not have... finished. I have not caught up with Rings of Power, but I like Elrond so far. Like half I, I think the a lot season. of people, I... A lot of people do. Um, Just not, is it, he is like, it's very different from the Elrond and that we see in like um, the Peter yeah, Hugo Jackson, he ain't no Cuban yeah, he, he's not like stoic Hugo Weaving character. He is kind of like a young little whippersnapper, kind of like young gun type guy, which yeah. I, I like for that show. I will say, and maybe this is kind of a weird, again, it's comparing the two shows that are totally independent of each other if my biggest criticism of house of dragon comes from the fact that i think that it needs a character like that in this show you talk about like not caring about the bc characters of rings of power and that is a thing where they have really devoted a lot of time to like these main five people that define the show mostly main two that um which we'll get into, but even like the children and everything like that have been more fleshed out. But like this show needs a Tyrion Lannister so bad. Oh, it yeah, just I needs was... yeah. it needs that character. If anything, it needs a Jamie. It needs like kind of like a lovable, like shithead. Like it needs kind well, of a guy Matt, who you like Matt love. Smith, to Smith hate is Damon is, this...
0: is kind of the is kind of the Jamie. I feel like that's I the closest guess, analog. But... But I get no, there's a little need, bit of that there's we no need Tyrion. A Tyrion. We need like a like a Varys or like a little finger, yes. which we, we kind of get a little bit with uh, um, we have little Eris. toes Eris strong. <laughs> little
1: toes, little toes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we no, no the Hunter, Hunter, that, Hunter,
2: you're totally right. You're totally no, right.
1: like this show. There's no the thing about Tyrion, and a lot of people are like, it needs a comedic relief character. Tyrion is so much more than a comedic relief character, because Tyrion was the person on the sideline who was commenting on everything that was happening. Is this shit fucking crazy? He's the most
0: intelligent person in the
1: room. Like, all these people are fucking idiots right now. Like, that's the character that we need, is because so much of House of the Dragon at times just becomes so buttoned up and, like, we're speaking very proper to each other. We're just two people having an intellectual conversation with each other. And, like, you kind of need somebody to, like, Cut everyone down to size at the same time and just be like yo you all suck like you're all idiots and awful people and this show is just totally devoid of that presence and I, i hope that it comes i've heard from people who have read the um fire and blood have read fire and blood that that is coming um I'll wait until we actually get towards the end to get more into spoilers of who that character is going to be. I've heard the promise that we are going to have some injection of life and comedy and levity. Are you talking about Mushroom?
0: Show? There's a character named Mushroom.
1: Oh, I thought you were talking about like they're all going to drop mushrooms at one point in the show. It's <laughs> was like, Ernest, so you have to say Soylent. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: no, you're, I, and, yeah. you're right. You're right. I mean, I, I do think that Early on, this is incredibly dry, uh, an incredibly dry approach to this story. Um, And it's tough to kind of like feel that investment in these characters when there's not a lot of entertainment value other than like big dragon do big dragon thing or like, you know, random battle or action sequence or something. Um, But there is. Again, that buy-in that pays off later because there are these really pivotal moments that happen in the second half of this series that land with this immense amount of, of weight because of those early episodes, because we understand the backstory of everything that leads up to, um, this Targaryen civil war. And to your point about the Fire and Blood adaptation, that book, Fire and Blood, is written as a, essentially like a history textbook. It's not written like a traditional novel. So there's an opportunity here for for these um, writers on this show to play around with things and and inject a little bit more of their own creativity. Whereas the original Game of Thrones show was kind of just adapting George R. R. Martin's writing pretty verbatim um the it wasn't until later on that Benny and Weiss, like uh had creative leeway and we see where that ended up <laughs> so in this case it's like the blueprint is there for them for the writers to kind of interpret things in their own way and it's interesting to see the moments that they choose to highlight the moments that they choose to spotlight and kind of blossom into their own version of what George R. R R. laid out. Um, it's, it's really, really fascinating. Um, so why don't we get into some of the specifics of that? So let's kind of like try to section out these episodes. We get, we get 10 episodes this first season and the first, um, what three episodes are when when does the big time jump happen? Is that episode five?
1: Uh which one the one between where the
0: actors change where the main the two main actors change. I think that's six. Okay. So maybe we episode three to episode four
1: like kind of is a big shift for me because the first three episodes are very much a slog. And uh, the fourth episode, I somebody forgot to call the horny police to uh, monitor the set when they were filming the show because episode four kind of goes off the rails and it pulled me back in.
0: Oh, is that and the like, one where they go into the bowels of the pleasure den? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I had um, to exercise my home with sage. I had to burn some sage. I had at, to at cover t- my dog's eyes. I
1: I was watching that show, and I was worried that someone was, was going to come out and watch me in the living room watching uh, certain sequences. I mean, look, I'm and I was like, I'm not watching porn, guys. It's a it's an HBO show. I steamy. promise. It's no, I, I it's too to steamy.
2: steamy. I, I come I come to HBO on a Sunday night because uh, don't take this the wrong way. I want to see fucking sex and incest and death and murder. <laughs> like I'm coming to this show you to, to see, see this level balls. of drama so you know it was strong, it's super strong. uncomfortable nipples at first and titters. It's, it's super uncomfortable for the nipples and titters at first maybe like the <laughs> incest is really uncomfortable but then you think about it and you're like okay all of like this entire family is built on this shit right they kind of build it up to be okay later in the season and then we're kind of like okay with it as the show goes on
0: which is i think a really interesting so- move
1: it's I'm glad a, that you brought up. It's a crazy
0: thing for HBO to be like, oh yeah, we're gonna lean all the way into the incest and everyone's gonna be okay with it.
1: That's the most insane <laughs> thing. Is like it's People like, just, what? of all, there's been a lot of complaints against the show. People are just beyond the incest. Incest is just like a given. At yeah, this point. it's, like, the Game it's like, like, like it's like number six or seven on the yeah, list. Yeah, of, of course she's fucking his uncle. Yeah, of course she's 12 and she's fucking his un- <laughs> her uncle. Who cares? What? Um... Yeah, there's that. Just don't think about the sexual politics of any of this uh, and you'll I, be fine. I um, will
0: say the way that whole um, kind of brothel sequence was was shot, I there was something about it that felt kind of unique to me. Because we've seen this type of scene a lot of times. Uh, you, there were so many scenes in Game of Thrones that were set in brothels or, you know in kind of, uh, orgy sexual settings, this one felt different. This one, they, they managed to kind of frame it and shoot it in a way that felt unique. And I think it's because the episode was directed by a woman. Um, Claire Kilner, who also mm-hmm. directed at five and nine. Um, and I think that something about the way she, shoot she chose to, to shoot it. It, it went through these stages of, like, it's it's obscure. You don't really know what's going on. You're kind of scared. You're kind of worried. There's this fear. There's this unknown factor. And then eventually, as you get kind of deeper into the, the brothel, it starts to just all kind of unpeel and become this, like, raw, just animalistic bodies on bodies skin on skin like there's nothing else except just like people being just flesh just enjoying just the Mm. raw pleasure of flesh and it gives uh rainera the opportunity to have a sexual awakening and then you're immediately ripped out from it when you realize that Damon had led her there for whatever fucked up ulterior motives he had. Uh, It's not, that's, that's something else that, that kind of is troublesome about some of this show is that there's things that like, because it's skipping so much in time, you don't get to flesh out certain character beats. Like we don't really know exactly what Damon's intention was during this moment. We don't really know if he like, was manipulating her or if he felt bad or insecure about himself and had to leave because he felt guilty we just kind of have to <laughs> take what we can yeah get and- i think
2: there, there's something happening like under the surface there and i think it, it comes almost full circle this is a little conspiracy theorist a little bit i think it comes full circle with the dragons and how they're reacting when something is boiling in this, you know, family blood, right? Like the intro to the show has the blood with the Game of Thrones theme, which is really cool. I think something is happening here that's super, super mystical where, you know, I think Damon kind of caught on to that, right? All this incest, the battle w- within the family causes, you know, extra conflict to boil up. And and we kind of have that culminate at the end of the show, which we can get to.
0: Any other thoughts on this first half? of the show i mean i i really like millie alcott yeah i was gonna say that's what i was gonna, I say, I, I was gonna shout great out job. is that allison in, no 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 this is no, no, that's, yeah oh, young oh excuse me oh that's um, young
2: Renira. okay
1: episode because i thought she was like pretty good in the first few episodes but really i was taken away with um uh who's our boy patty constantine uh oh who i mean that's he kind of, dude he kind of nice owns it, the first King half of boy. the season. Um he kind of is just owning the whole side of just being King Viserys.
0: Um but he really gets Millie Alcock the best moment of the entire series. I'll just say that now.
1: Yeah, Millie Alcock like really grows into her own in episodes 4 and 5 when we see cuz it kind of it's this whole it's sexually driven in a way, but from that how that um that scene that we talked about like in the brothel, then Leads her to coming on to Sir Kristen, and then like Sir Kristen's oh. guilt that like, carries into the next episode to the point where he's gonna fucking kill himself at the end of episode five, and then Allison steps in, and like that whole plot beat goes on to define so much of the whole of the rest of the season, where it's little things like that where I'm like, I didn't appreciate it in the moment, but now that you've given it to me and I see the full puzzle together, I'm like, thank you for taking the time to flesh out these moments because they're like things like this could have just been a flashback they could have just been somebody telling somebody else of a previous yeah. event that happened but because you actually watch this play out in real time and really like kind of see that because i think episode five is the episode where yeah it must be episode five where rhaenyra goes to Lenor and he and she's just like look here's the thing like My uncle Damon told me like marriage is just like marriage is whatever. That's just like a family commitment. But like fuck around. We can just fuck around with anybody. And she's like, hey, Sir Kristen, you wanna just be like my fuck buddy and just like kind of just be my side piece here?
0: I'm gonna commit a murder.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And Sir Kristen's like, I'm gonna kill your husband's boyfriend and then I'm gonna kill myself dude and that I, that's like this this is when the show really clicks into high gear and i'm like oh, okay i get this cuz there's moments earlier on um specifically with our boy patty and kind of him choosing lo- true love with alicent over like what he should do with um marrying uh the child uh i can't remember uh what her name was or
0: yeah corliss's daughter
1: yeah yeah
0: um i wouldn't call it true love you know, I I don't know if there is true love in this entire show. I don't even That's know fair. if Rainier and Damon is true love. I I think maybe the only the closest thing we have to true love might be um uh uh what's his name? Um Rainier's husband and his boyfriend.
1: Oh, um Lenore and I can't remember. The and what's boyfriends. his face? Yeah, <laughs>
0: they they R&P do a whole, guy.
1: He lost. They a do a whole, whole fake death
0: um, to to escape together, and that's true love to me. They sell. Yeah. They sell off if into anything, the sunset. Yeah,
2: every everything else just kind of feel like they're victims of fate.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean it, destiny. It, it feels it feels like you know connected to to something like Succession or uh, or The Crown on Netflix, where it's like there's this external force that has trapped these people and they can't escape it and it's destroying their lives. And I think that obviously succession, I think does that a lot better. Um, I haven't seen the crown. I've only seen season four of the crown looking forward to seeing only season five of the crown and not saying behavior going back, Just skipping four seasons. Uh, but I think this one kind of, because it's so sprawling, it doesn't nail it as as much as the perfection that is Succession. But I love that idea of like something like royalty, something like a throne or a crown, having this whole, having this uh impact on our characters. And let's let's talk about our guy Patty. I mean, I I wanted to mm. go kind of. Episode by episode, but maybe the better way to do it is kind of just talk about all these characters and, and their journeys throughout the season. Because I think Patty Constantine as as Viserys is not only the best part of this show, but one of the best characters in television this year. Like, I totally agree. Completely. Totally. Like, what an achievement. Like, I'm scared for my guy, Bob Odenkirk. Like, come Emmy season, Bob might come home empty-handed because Patty's is is lifting up the trophy because they it's I, that good. It's the thing it's is that like fucking good. I wasn't expecting it to, Like I think.
1: Coming into House of the Dragons, I i mean, think back to Game of Thrones 2011, wherever that came out. It was like, oh, it's the Sean Bean Show. And, like, it's just that was the only name that was attached to this. I mean, really coming in, Matt Boromir. Smith is the –
0: we love Boromir. We he's do love fine. Boromir. He lives. Um, he,
1: he always lives in every project that he's involved in. Yes, of course. Um, but like Matt Smith is the only major actor that's involved yeah. in the show at all. So I was just expecting Matt Smith to steal the show. And a way he does. Matt Smith, don't get it twisted. Matt Smith is an incredible character. But Patty Constantine as King Viserys, just like every single scene and moment that he has, I'm like just so – enwrapped in everything that he does i think part of it is in his performance it feels like he's the only genuine person in the entire world yeah like, like in he's the, the just entire a good world guy. that's built around him he's just actually wanting the best for for his family for himself for the realm like he's just you only can't, he's you can't do that as to a hope king for the best exactly and it's like why he's probably the last wholesome king yeah. that has ever existed in Westeros
0: and the um, and... the idea that the the throne the, the blades of the throne are cutting him like the symbolism yeah. of that it's... the fact that the 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 throne <gasps> is rejecting him and he is falling apart physically because he's not fit to sit on the throne the way his that plays trans- out his whole transformation is like
1: it's genuinely heartbreaking
0: like it is just
1: it's <laughs> it's upsetting but it's also like so moving just seeing everything that is uh so good it's a it's a pitch perfect performance from him
2: he he really holds together the show for the majority of the show he's so fucking good in this show i totally agree it's like one of the best tv performances i've seen in a really long time and i think a great pivot from his character is how he then rubs off on rhaenyra and really informs who rhaenyra is all the way up until like the final episode of the show What do you guys think about
0: that yeah i mean the the whole prophecy angle is set up from the very first episode Mm -hmm. and the idea of like the the song of ice and fire and this is something that wasn't really seeded in the books this is kind of like a show invention the idea that aegon the conqueror had this vision of uh the white walkers invading and how there needed to be a united realm to fight again once again Jon snow fucking shit up like that's that's basically what the the prophecy is the prince who was promised that that line would birth Jon snow to defeat the white walkers i don't uh, see he actually didn't do anything but
1: that's the thing i there is there's little moments of the show where it has a little bit of prequel problem to it and that is there's nothing you can do about it it's it's just a prequel problem where it's like song of ice of fire the prince Who's Promised. promise and we've seen the episode and
0: like the episode was like kind of aria like stabbed good. him with that knife that we see it's the same knife and well i i killed. like
2: yeah i like the i like how this being a prequel is playing into the show where we have these characters trying to act on their own volition but it doesn't matter what they want. They're kind of going to fall into their yeah. roles for what fate has for them. So what I meant by Ranira um getting the traits from Viserys is she's really, she wants to do good. She she sees people as being really good. She continues to get a little bit fucked over over and over as the show goes on until like the very end of the show. And I, I think the way yeah. that this show ends is really I know we're not there yet, but that's I mean like I the, love very, the,
0: way well the very end. Ends. Yeah. yeah. The no, you're final right. shot of her just like ready for war. It's amazing.
1: <laughs> it it is. And it's it's so that's what I was talking about. Like it kind of sidesteps a little bit of those prequel problems because you see the show, and in episode two, uh Patty goes to Rhaenyra, um, Viserys goes to Rhaenyra and says, like, you're going to be the queen. You will take over as the queen of Westeros. And like, we've seen Game of Thrones, and we know, like Bad news, uh, you ain't making it to be queen, buddy. I'm so sorry to tell you this, but like we've seen that Daenerys is actually the first like true queen of Westeros. All so the dragons are gone. We know what we know where the show's going. So at that point, it becomes entirely character dependent, and it's so much of what Patty does that then informs what Millie and eventually Emma Darcy is doing with her performance of like. You are raised in this like world of being like hopeful and optimistic and then just kind of slowly beaten down and hardened over and over again. As you see, just there's just all of these people that are constantly here to just like stab you in the back and just manipulate you and work you to kind of get to where they want to be in this world. And Um, it's it's so, so well done. It's like a
2: Game of Thrones, Hunter. It's
0: God. It's playing the game. I wonder if so, anybody's ever said that before. Emma Emma Darcy uses they them pronouns, but uh, Rhaenyra is still she her, so oh, that might I'm be so a sorry. little confusing. <laughs> the character is she, but the actor is they. Now, yes, well, I mean, when yeah. when it comes
2: to the first the first part of the season, like the actor that plays Rhaenyra, I was like, whatever. I mean, that was a big reason why I wasn't so into it. There was something that wasn't clicking for me. Millie Alcock. Yeah, but then after the time jump and we get Emma Darcy, I am like, I absolutely love them.
0: I am super stoked on that actor. The casting is so good. The The, casting is unbelievable. Yeah, both 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 Rhaenyra and Allison like Allison because they had to they cast Emma Darcy and Olivia cook first and then they had to go back and cast the younger versions and it's perfect. It's seamless. They fucking it really, it. they
1: really did an incredible shout out to the makeup team and just to the VFX stuff of just making because if you look at them side by side, like their headshots, they don't look all that similar to each other. Like they're like, ah, oh, you see some similar features and everything, but just like they did a really, really good job of just making it look like they especially because um with like Ali uh, Millie Alcock, for example, she's playing like well, like a seven year age gap just in the time when she's on screen before ah uh, she yeah becomes. the first the first half
0: of the series, I think i I don't know, I think it only skips like maybe two or three years in time. So you go from like fourteen to seventeen or something like that. I thought that was longer than that, but
1: I no, I mean, it's. Either way, like it does, it bridges that gap in a really, really natural way. And same goes for um, who plays the young uh, Allison's Emily Carey. Also, great job. I love Olivia Cook. I've been a huge Olivia Cook fan. Oh, she gets so many moments to shine
0: in the back half.
1: Dude, in the back half, she kind of. own so much of this movie i mean that penultimate episode long time long time listeners know as the ready player one stand of oh, the we yes. bought my podcast uh olivia cook does i often say that's olivia cook's movie and steven spielberg is just just floating <laughs> just in, in the
0: sidelines yeah just hanging out um but she uh, she's incredible it's so-
1: it's it that's a perfect example of a character where it's like, I'm so glad that we took the time to really get to know her and specifically her relationship with Ranira. I did I did want to
0: talk a little bit more so about so. that specifically because it in the way it's set up originally, um, I think just in the first episode or two, it, it seems like they are kind of these like soulmates, you know, like they are intertwined together for life it could be romantic or not but it's just this this extremely deep friendship and the the spine of this series is the them essentially becoming uh antagonists to each other you know they're they're set up as like this inseparable bond and everything that plays out throughout the entire series is, is based upon them being against each other. So it's it's an incredibly important character dynamic to set up from the jump to introduce these people and how they relate to each other and then slowly over time erode it. And the way it's done is so well done. And we got to talk about Riss Ifans as Otto Hightower too because he plays in directly into that. Allison's father, mm-hmm. another incredible performance. I mean, guys like this, this whole cast is fucking great. Like, I don't know if there are any weaklings. I mean, maybe Kristen Cole, but that might be a whole nother conversation because uh, I just hate that guy. I, I, to,
2: to be honest, I, if I if I'm going to pick a, a weak link, I, I have one that I I think they're both hot takes. If I'm going to be honest. I think the white worm. Um, oh, well, I don't the, I don't like the
1: the accent. I, what is that I do choice? have beef with. No, I have beef with that whole character and what he is. And as much as I, I'm never
0: going to kink shame. People no, she, you're, you're, thinking, you're thinking of.
2: You're thinking of Laris.
0: The white worm, uh, is, white worm is the girl. You no, know, white worm is the girl from Devs.
1: Oh yeah, from yes. Devs. Yeah, no, okay, that accent. no I know the accent. That, yeah, that's it's something. Uh, it, it's it's kind of like something. you know
2: the actor is kind of pulling something from somewhere. It feels like, and it doesn't really click for me. The impact of the character just isn't there for me either. I think that's the weakest part of the show by far. I'm also not a Matt Smith stan at all. I I think he's I think he's a fine actor. I don't think he looks the part at all either. I think. I'd hate to comment on somebody's appearance, but oh, he doesn't look like the target. Like you don't
0: like the Lego. You don't like the Lego wig. <laughs>
2: That's. I mean, most of the wigs are good, but fuck, that doesn't look right. He he. To me, he just has a confidence that, and I see it just in his interviews too. He has a confidence that just isn't likable for me at all, in like a villain way or in a protagonist way.
1: I mean, I, th- I I, think he's a I push back a little bit against some Matt Smith. I I I think that he is. He's kind of, I mean, the character itself is kind of uneven a little bit for me. It's like, oh, I like this guy. Oh, he's killing his wife now. Okay. All right. Well, now I'm back in on this. Like, it's a little bit kind of uneven. That's, Ernie, I think what you're getting at earlier, we we're skipping some character beats with yeah. these time jumps with Matt Smith. But I, mean, I think, think his think performance the entire, really
0: into. The entire length is. of this guy's life that we see, we, we see, like, what almost 20 years of this guy's life, like he is an entirely different person theoretically from the first time we see him to the last. C- compare we him to really Viserys. What we feel it with Viserys. Of course yes. we feel it with Viserys. But with yeah. with Damon, you know, you there's this moment at the end, uh maybe like the the eighth episode or something like that, where um Matt Smith is like sitting, or Damon is sitting next to Viserys, uh, as Viserys is like deteriorating in bed, and it's like, dude, these these are supposed to be brothers, and they look like they're a hundred years apart in age.
2: That's okay on its own right it's it's okay that that's a good visual is that they look so different in that way but we don't have those connecting character beats to really be able to relate them on on like an even playing field
0: they they make they make this choice to have matt smith have entire almost entire episodes in which he doesn't say anything and i don't know if that i don't know what what point that choice was made i don't know if they wrote a lot of dialogue for him that they decided not to use but that is a very deliberate choice to have your your mm-hmm. second build actor have an entire stretches of your show like not say anything that really resonated with me and I I don't think it works all the time. Um, I think that there is a lot kind of left out there to to try to f- find as an audience member to learn about this guy. And maybe it's like, oh, we want this guy to be mysterious. And we want you to wonder like what he's really like. But at the end of the day, it's like, there's all these other characters in the show that we learn a lot about and that we grab onto with a lot less. And so he's kind of left in this middle ground of like, yeah, he's mysterious. He's elusive. Like, you know, it's kind of intriguing to not know that much about him, but then you turn around and you see all these other characters that you do latch onto because you know more about them and there's more set up. So, so I, I, I do get it, but I, I didn't budge against it too much.
1: I don't want to jump too far ahead, but my biggest problem with the Damon character is in the final episode. Oh, It's, it's yeah, in the that's scene tough. where Damon chokes rhaenyra and it's something that feels so out of nowhere and you're like i i don't think it really works in the context of the episode i think that house of dragon to its credit um it does kind of work against a lot of the very real criticisms against game of thrones which is that it has some rape fantasy to it that is very very uh Um, misogynistic and it is very into kind of like very bad politics whenever it comes to actually the women in the show and some of the like rape agenda and shit like that that happens I think that House of the Dragon does a really good job of sidestepping some of that and I think when Damon goes to choke out Rhaenyra it doesn't really work for the context of the show and it doesn't work at all for his character because it seems like Like we're saying here, like that he's had this 20 year character growth and that he has changed as a person. And we see him in a light that doesn't ever really show that he would like abuse his wife in this kind of a public and physical way. His pregnant wife right now, pregnant with his own child. So it just doesn't really work for that character. He he is is set
0: up as a shitty person at first, like early episodes out of the gate he's a shitty yeah. guy and then as it kind of goes on we see him as like a family guy you know he wants to be away from all of the drama in King's Landing he has his new wife and kids and then he kind of gets dragged back into the fray and, and he marries Rhaenyra and all that and you feel like he might be different and then that moment is is kind of harkening back to that original daemon that we saw the daemon that killed his wife Let's, he did let's, kill his wife let's yeah. highlight that like he fucking murdered his wife you know this is the kind of guy that we're seeing here um so it is it is complicated i i don't know if we're supposed to really root for this guy you know and it's it's tough to have like our main character basically our, our hero being married to him but i don't know if we're really meant to see him as one of the good guys yeah. there, there's I a think... little
2: bit of back and forth like what you're saying with these characters mm. of like how are we supposed to be feeling about them i i like to kind of bring it back to what i what i keep mentioning of this blood boiling like there's something in these characters veins that's connected to the dragons that's making them act up in a weird way and i, I know it's kind of bullshit to to talk about that without really backing it up and kind of using it as an excuse but to me that's really fun
1: hmm. No, I think you're 100. I think that there's a lot of a lot of truth to what you're saying there, though, like we I mean, even specifically talking to Damon in the final episode, we see him in the volcano, like underground with the dragons themselves, like actually connecting on this really animalistic level with these creatures. Right. Knowing singing,
2: that knowing that something goes wrong later to where we don't have dragons anymore. Right. It, this is mm-hmm. this is all linked like this fucking incest. And, you know, this is like what Viserys is trying to avoid. And, you know, this prophecy reaching the the wrong ears is where it all falls apart for me. I know we're, we're jumping around here and we're talking mm-hmm. character by character, but this is this is where it all starts to fall apart.
0: So now that so... we're kind of on the dragons, um, how about we highlight some dragon moments in the season? I was going to actually
1: do some uh some kind of knocks against the show and a lot of them are dragon based and i'm so sorry for bringing the vfx
0: the the vfx weren't up to par
1: for you no some of the vfx are look pretty good but i think that there's a few moments in the show where it feels like the showrunners and hbo felt the need of like we gotta do we gotta do game of thrones greatest hits we got to throw a set piece in episode two
0: and Dude, it's like well, the crab feeder i don't, beater. The I don't beater. know these characters he so was this, he was my guy i really wanted i want a whole crab feeder i I want i want the crab yeah what, what
2: happened there everybody was talking about how much at that point i was still kind of iffy on the show but what what happened there nothing happened. so he was yeah he literally it, it, was it like it nothing to
1: be a big bad and then he just gets killed <laughs> like it just like, it
2: just felt like he just was gone he just got it's killed a and
1: big set piece the crab feeder is nothing as a character at that point damon is like nothing like i'm like oh this guy who's like mad at his brother because his brother's king and he's like i wish i was king i want to go kill crab feeder and i'm like cool that means nothing to me uh the scene looks fine um And there's a lot of that where it feels like four set pieces. You had a very valid episode. I have uh, some beef with um, the some of the way that some of the shots look. Sorry, what were you saying?
0: Um, Oh, wait, you're referring to the the dragon pit. Yeah, uh, dragon uh, just emerging up, killing Um, 25,000 commoners. Um, So we'll put a pin in that for a second. I remember you messaging us specifically talking about the crab feeder uh, dragon moment, how it was just like this cheap kind of like, let's push the dragon button to yeah kind of overtake the fact that we didn't have anything more interesting happening in this battle.
1: Yeah, no, I think that the show does that a couple of times where it's just like, oh, we, oh, shit, that's right. We have, we're doing the dragon show. We got to throw the dragons in here. And it's just, it's this cheap, like, get out of jail free card that everyone's in trouble. How will they
0: get out of this?
1: HBO's like, well, we threw $20 million at this episode. So let's really just throw the shit on the page right now in front of you. And like, it just works in, Very drastically levels of quality. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. it does work. Sometimes Sometimes it works great. Yeah. Yeah. It really does pay off sometimes. There's sometimes where it just looks badass as hell. Like it just is really exciting, like seeing the dragons, seeing some of these set pieces happen. Even some of the quieter moments I know cost a shit ton of money. Like again, uh, I think it's in the finale where you see the Dragon land on the fucking bridge at Dragonstone there that I know costs so much money to make, but it isn't like a big action set piece. Those moments work really, really well with this show. And other times it just feels like we're doing Game of Thrones karaoke. <laughs> and it just doesn't work nearly as well. I can we talk about Lord Laris now? Um, our our little um spider uh waiting to
2: talk about laris
1: yeah i want to i again i would never kink shame a person i listeners look at me look me in the eye if you're listening uh if you're watching on youtube or listen to my voice i will never kink shame anyone um unless it's actually actively hurtful to somebody else um but what is this character? What are we doing guys? So he's like this, like talk about overacting award for the year goes to Matthew Needham for his just like, I have something to say about this as he comes in, like gimping into the scene. uh, And then just is like, just trying to play like all sides and you're like, Oh, what kind of motivations does he? Does he have like, he has like his little, his little spiders, like his little spies around the city, kind of like uh, um Varus and game of Thrones. It's like, no, he's just into feet. Um, he just really likes women's feet and like the, queen out the, the queen's
2: feet. Um, well, I, I like, yeah, I like how that's used against him to kind of belittle him and like his actual role in the plot. Like the one thing, the one thing I do like about him is kind of his role in the plot where he's, like Allison's only true ally, but only because like he likes her fucking feet. It's kind of <laughs> gross and belittling of him, yeah. really. You know what? I I like that piece, but that's about it. I, I I totally agree with you. Otherwise, it's
1: just it's just another one of those things where there's a lot of points in the show where I just feel like it's getting momentum or doing something. It's like, oh, all right. Let me check my watch. And uh cool, can we? All right, cool. Now we're getting back to the characters that I care about. Um it's and like it she does that a few different times
2: the moments meant to shock us are a little bit like too deliberate too like yes. on the nose like the incest exactly. the feet I, I totally get that i mean you, you what was your original question ernest it was like what are the best dragon moments definitely the best dragon moment for me i mean we're, we don't care about spoilers here right the best moment for me is i believe it's the the last episode where uh rhaenyra's son flies in on his little dragon and you just get a little like, you know, light lightning strikes and you see the giant dragon who I can't remember the name of. Just kind of the scale of the difference Big in guard. these dragons. Yeah. Bigger. yeah. So you have the giant dragon versus the small dragon. Very uh, how rocks. to train your dragon. Um, sure, I think how to train your dragon is great. So sure. I'm not saying yeah, as, so, as a
0: negative. I'm just saying okay. like. I've seen on Twitter the side by sides. Oh, okay. Where it's just like the the beats. There, there's a sequence in How to Train Your Dragon where a big dragon chases small dragon. Right. Very similar. Um. Also, that... I've seen the Shrek uh, side by sides too. Okay. Whoever's out there, if you're listening and you made the Shrek side by sides, thumbs up. Those are great. Um, I can't remember. Does Jay Baruchel get
1: like eaten? like swallowed whole and yes. one of those how to train a dragon yes, movie it's
0: decapitated yeah there's okay cruts, cool. right, that's, perfect thank you of his um, thank you so um, much
2: for clarifying that real quick Uh I'm so sad that I googled what you just said I, I googled <laughs> Shrek hot D side by side and it was just a fucking huge mistake don't do that <laughs> oh,
0: God, <D. laughs> oh,
2: don't do that
1: <laughs> no. Oh, Jesus Christ! Oh my God! The <laughs> internet's a dark and beautiful <laughs> yeah. place. Um, uh, will Elon
0: allow that? Ban for sure. Ban, ban Shrek hot D. Don't no, do it, freedom, Elon. Freedom of Shrek comedy is legal. Um. So I like the feet. The feet was good. I. You like I, the feet? Okay. Yeah, but yeah, you're I pro just, feet. I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, I <laughs> ascended during that scene i had no idea what was happening and by the time i found out i was i did tackling don't get don't get twisted i was maniacally laughing
1: the entire time that was yeah happening. I, 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 like I, was just, I like when everybody around me is
2: i like when everybody around me is getting
0: uncomfortable like in those moments it was sure. it was glorious it was glorious um as far as dragon moments go i really like that that one you shouted out brett i also really like when Eamon Claims Vagar, yeah, that was really, really well done. A lot of people online complained about it looking too dark. Um, another Miguel Sapochnik directed episode, but um, I didn't have any issues with it. I didn't, yeah, I I didn't have any issues
1: seeing that. Um, I that's that's not a Battle of the Bastards too dark thing, that's actually like it was just. Shot at like it dusk. was nighttime.
2: Yeah. Can yeah. we speaking of which, can we can we talk about the kids like at kind of different levels of the show? Like like starting off, like how did you guys feel about the like when, once we once the kids start to be born, like the bastards and all of that?
0: Yeah. So that was that was a really interesting part of the show where it's kind of like the in between, right? Where you start out with Rainier and Allison as children, and then you get the time jump with episode six, uh, where the um their actors change, but they have the kids before they become the the young adults that we see at, at the the very end. So it's kind of like this uh transitionary cast And I thought that was really key and there's a couple key moments that play out with that younger cast um specifically the fight that they have when Amon's eye gets mm-hmm. taken out. And I thought that that was kind of a standout episode in this season because it's this moment where you feel like these children are being children and they're having a childish fight. But there's all of this added baggage. There's all of this additional weight on a childish moment that ends up in it being this incredibly violent thing Um that is hoisted up by everything that we've seen up until this and the, the time that's been invested into these characters. I thought it landed really, really well. I thought that was one of the best scenes in the whole show, right? That, we, that, that kind of moment where the eye gets taken out.
2: We, we have Luke, Luke accidentally, you know, what slices his face and removes his eye. And again, I, I'm watching game of Thrones. Sorry. I'm watching hot D for these moments like these kind Not of high Shrek drama, high party. stakes. Not well, I Shrek also watched Shrek, Shrek for that, too. Um, yeah, I, I like these moments. I like that it was this it was an accident. Um, but the cherry on top of that scene is that is when Eamon is like, guys, this was a fair trade. I got a fucking dragon. I the mean, that, dragon. Mm-hmm. The that big makes dragon. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I love that sequence just for ending on that and kind of the maturity of that character. I think just that one line says everything about that character. And then I think the person, Owen Mitchell, that gets cast as uh Amon, I think is perfect. Talk about older, somebody who looks older.
0: Final, yeah.
1: Older Amond, yeah. Final Mwah. Fantasy Beautiful. looking ass. Yes. Mm, so- I love it. He looks perfect. Love that guy. He look. I. I mean, you're talking about the kids. He's definitely. He is the most like iconic character of the show. You said that this is like heightened uh, children's fighting. Let me tell you, you guys obviously are not children at divorced, uh, because as a child of divorce who has step siblings, this is just on the normal. Right. Right. Blades are getting drawn out here (laughs) when you have to fight to be top kid. You're taking out eyeballs at. Bare minimum, um, you got you to gotta gotta scrap you gotta and do. claw. Look for for mommy's attention. You got to scrap and claw. Um, I will say, uh, R.I.P. to our boy Luke. If we're gonna kill any of the kids in the show, uh, they made the right choice. Yeah, he looked
0: uh, yeah, like he's... a character. Um, <laughs> they, did, they, I they killed was... off
1: the right kid. I thought he was one say. of the kids
0: in Pen Fifteen. <laughs> looked like one of those because he was like know, doing sorry. like
1: non acting.
0: Right. So, um, yeah,
2: I, I do like how, you know, the, the the eye getting sliced out was a bit of an accident and children being children. And then the same thing happens and somebody dies. Right. right. This the, is very the this dragons. Is, yeah. I mean, they're just that,
0: flying around. dragons. Being this whole dragons. sequence
2: is, you know, it's like the assassination of Franz Ferdinand kicking off the war. Right. But it's all kind of this strange accident where the dragons started to act on their own volition because they were scared, or I'm not really quite sure, going back to what I was saying about the dragon is just being upset at what's going on here.
1: Yeah. Well, it does lead into this whole thing. I mean, because where the show leaves is kind of in this really interesting place where they say, like, dragon has never killed another dragon before. and So theoretically, this is like the first time in history. So is Amon going to say that? Is he gonna own up to like, right. yeah, uh, my dragon didn't listen to me and no. just kind of did its own thing, or are we just gonna like bury this shit and so, just say dragons are still never killed dragon?
0: Back back to my point about them being having this room to be creative, adopting the book, and the book, the way it's it's this moment happens apparently, Amon, uh, because obviously nobody can see what's happening in the sky. Eamon comes back and says that he intended to kill, um, Jauserus or Lucerus. Yeah. Which one?
2: Um, Luc- oh, Lucerus. Luc- 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 yeah. Um,
0: yeah Luke. And we can clearly see from the the performance and the way that that scene is is put together that that's not the case. It was he did not intend to kill him. That's not true. He but he can a, he can still accident. own it
2: after the fact. He can right. still own it, which is what he, Hunter's getting at, well, right?
0: Well, he has to. He has to because he he knows the implication of what he just did. He can't come back to Allison and Otto and tell them that it was an accident. I think he's going he to do it. I think he's going to panic a bit
2: and it's going to be kind of outwardly said as such. Right. And maybe the uh, annals of history is that this was like, deliberate. yeah.
0: Well, yeah. to your point about comparing it to, to our history and, and World War One, I, I mean, it's perfect that this entire season played out the way that it did and that we get the full context of how everything led up to this war. Because now season two is going to be this civil war between um, the Greens and the Blacks, as they're called. And we could have started there. That would have been a great place to tell a story and, and to set a television around. But the fact that they told the story of everything leading up to that is incredibly effective and now we're going to go into season two caring about these characters and understanding their backstory and everything that they've been through um and as as we kind of start to to wind down here because we're we are going to have to wrap it up soon i did want to shout out going back to patty constantine his last episode um Mm. episode eight um there's two key scenes that happen here that sort of can only exist in that context of of giving us the lead up of of letting us know the stakes in the way that they're set up. The highest um, rated
2: episode. episode it's eight.
0: it's perfection. It's perfection. Mm-hmm. First, his walk to the throne. Holy shit! I I was so blown away by that entire sequence. We get a lot of long walks throughout this show. Um, there's Allison's walk when she kind of interrupts the wedding. Um, there's Rhaenyra's walk when she comes back with the in the hunt. This one just absolutely floored me. There, there's just so much context around it, uh, not just with the physical state of 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 Um Viserys, but just the idea of can he even be king anymore? And what is his presence going to do in this moment as people are debating the state of, of succession of, of who's going to succeed him? And then the dinner that follows it, it gets pretty contentious. It gets pretty heated. But there's this moment before that where he just sits there and he just watches his family like get along for once. Yeah.
1: I'm so happy you shouted out that scene because it's such a quiet moment where he just kind of like looks around at everybody like who's at the dinner table. He's just like, we can all like exhale. Like we're all just eating as a family together. And it does devolve because of course it does. But like but after we, after have, he that, we after. have that one moment that he sees where it feels like everybody was able to come together for him. He's like, I can it's die now. And moment. he, and he yeah. does
0: die at the end of that episode. And it's like, it's that moment where he's just like, I did it <laughs> obviously he didn't he, he didn't feel that him, moment. <laughs> yeah he
1: can die at peace
0: i brought everyone together he he's yeah, just that's... my mvp i i i love this guy i just my god this show definitely wouldn't be the same well, listen, without
2: him i i can't believe what he did with that character but just you know after episode eight episode nine i loved how rainier was not in that episode at all i love choices like that where You're just wondering the entire episode, how is this person going to react? Yeah, you know, and you don't with, get with anything being
0: crowned too, that whole situation. It's like, uh, oh, yeah, A- fuck. A- Agon. um, oh, A- yeah. Agon. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 So that's, um, I, I really, really enjoyed that. And go- going into you know the final episode, I wasn't sure. You know, we're, we're as Dragonstone, right? So we get some of these parallel shots between the first episode with the dragons on the bridge. I think that's Otto Hightower's best moment is when he's displaying this kind of really, and there's a lot of depth to this moment where he's um saying to everybody at Dragonstone, like, here's the deal, here's what's going on, right? The amount of confidence he had to bring out in that moment. I think says a lot about him as an actor. It was really cool for that character, too. For a character I didn't really care much about prior because he's a little bit of a leech. He established his own power. But as as we get to like the end of that finale, as Ranira is sending her kids away, and uh, my my friend Ivan, shout out Ivan, is like, she's about to send her kids off to die. She's like, you guys agree not to fight, right? Hey, don't defend yourselves if yeah. something happens. Just go fucking die. Um,
0: we could send ravens... Yeah, dragons are faster
2: (laughs) (laughs) so so that happens and i I thought the episode was going to end right there and it felt a little bit too like first episode of its star wars trilogy to me um i don't know if you guys got that same vibe
0: yeah i feel that (laughs) uh,
2: luckily it ended with like a significant death a really shocking scene i mean the dragon killing the dragon is that's going to really stick in my mind forever
0: yeah i mean as soon as he lands at um what whatever that castle is called I was like, "Oh, some shit's about to go down." <laughs> you see, yeah. uh, uh, Vagar in the distance. Just there's like no way the... that's ending well. That sequence. Uh, there's yeah. absolutely no way.
1: So no, awesome. I. So I didn't mention earlier where I was talking about uh, Game of Thrones karaoke. Uh, Otto High Tower is just straight up the new uh, Tywin Lannister of. Yeah. Like 100%. he's the hand who's now trying to maneuver his own family and their own power into the whole thing. Like but he's it, definitely is taking on that role, but I kind of like that type of a character. Oh, like I want need that it. archetype in the show. That but is at least, you need that bloodthirsty
0: outsider. At least Tywin had like this he almost had like a higher uh moral ground. You know of like the 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 better of the realm i feel mm-hmm. like Otto is like in so much more selfish about how he goes about it's people. just like
1: i just want the title of yeah. like <laughs> my my family is in charge of the throne he's like, like i'm he's not like, he's crawling i'm not worried it. about anything that's happening once i get this i just want to be in the seat of power and then i'll figure out everything else afterwards mm-hmm. which
0: it'll be interesting to see where we go from here i mean I do I'm love really that. I'm really just curious. I, I'm so glad he came back because when he left in the middle of the season, I was like, oh no, are we not gonna get to see Reese Fonds again? I really liked yeah. him and I was glad to have him back.
1: I uh, I just I really like where this left off. Like it left a lot of pieces unanswered. It left Shit's like going down. We got war. But we have a lot of stuff established with these characters, and I'm I'm in. Like I just This show did exactly what it needed to do. And I think that especially after kind of a little bit of dropping the bag with the last season of Game of Thrones, we just needed a first season of television that got everybody to buy back into this idea of like, this is the promise of what Game of Thrones could be. The first episode, the first season of Game of Thrones isn't the best. I think the first season of Game of Thrones and its totality is like kind of mid tier. It's fine once, we, it's once we really get into like three, four, five. That's like when the meat and potatoes is just like we're past all that and we are just into golden territory with that show. And I think that in the same way House of the Dragon lays all of the seeds and lets them grow to a point that like I can't wait for season two now that we're actually going to set off and start this war. I can't wait to see what we do with it. I'm interested to see how long the show's going to go. What do you think? Like five seasons? I don't I'd think be sh- can go I'd much be more shocked than if that. it was
0: five. I'd see I'd see more like three four. four. I mean, honestly, like they're going to introduce other stories into this world like that's they, That's more than likely what's going to happen.
2: Yeah, I really wanted to mention kind of the things that are missing so far that Game of Thrones had, which is those little those little charming relationships. You know you have like the hound and aria mm-hmm. um you have the relationships with like peter dinklage and some other characters and things like that so this show is really centered around like king's landing and dragon stone we spend a lot of time in these castles but we don't get those kind of separate moments like with the starks that feel a little bit more grounded we're getting Starks. Um,
0: did you see winterfell on that
2: map? no no lit up okay, okay so that's 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 good
1: that's where i've heard that some of the levity is going to come in the show um i can't remember it's not a. is it brandon stark i think is the stark that they're going to go meet up there i've heard that like him and um rhaenyra's other son uh i think it's hunter Laceros. i think it's hunter stark is it hunter is it is it me yeah. am i up there I don't remember. um I uh, I think that that's like they they get into some shenanigans up there and have some fun and levity. From what I've heard from people who have actually read the books and everything, which is good cuz the show needs a little yeah. bit of injection of youth and fun
0: and Winter is coming. There. We we got to remember winter is coming.
2: Yeah, there's this so, yeah. I I really think this is they they do a good job of kind of presenting that these times are are really different, like I wanted to mention that when you talked about the brothel. Um yeah, it's kind like 200 like this,
0: years before the, yeah. the original show. Yeah.
2: Like In, in terms of, of world building, there's some little detail, details in there. I think they're missing some character beats to support that. Um, before, we, before we ended, I really wanted to mention, I was just blown away, especially the final episode with the costumes. Mm. Easily the best costumes I've ever seen in any show ever, building out the fantasy of the Targaryens in their prime and what they looked like. I don't know who did that. They deserve the fucking Emmy. It was incredible. What, what did you guys think about which all that?
0: which scene specifically?
2: So I'm thinking of what comes out in my mind. There's three things. It's two of uh, Rainier's outfits. She wears like two dresses in that final episode. But she's being up here. Proud. Boom, Boom. Right. There's the two. Yeah. Yeah, the, um, the,
0: crowning, the crowning. Yeah, moment and, and she's great. wearing
2: one before that, too. It's like the very start of the episode. She's wearing this unbelievable dress. I'll have to bring
0: up a photo of it. Lots of great good. dresses throughout the entire season. I mean, yeah, just I was great was great.
1: Allison has some incredible dresses. Yeah. The green, that like mm-hmm. royal hunter green that she has in a lot of those scenes, just is it's really nice. It's really unique to game of thrones i think it's because like none of the main houses that we see during game of thrones have that kind of green color to them um that it's it's just really nice it adds like a different element to the show and like the green and kind of yellow versus the black and red of the uh mm-hmm. targaryens just works really well yeah
2: so there's uh, so for, for a while i wasn't really on board with i, I think their name is like Rhaenys targaryen which is like the mm-hmm. queen who never yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, Rainis is kind of like an understated role, especially like parallel to like Corlys, who's really cool. And then the final episode, Rainis is like, not even episode nine, but in episode 10, when she comes over to talk to Rainier and is like, here's what's going on. She's wearing this armor that just oh, like complements it's it's so yeah. how she looks so well. It has like, you know, the dragon, everything just looks amazing about the costumes. Even, you know, during the crowning sequence, you have like all the soldiers like supporting the gravitas and um, the romanticism of of crowning a queen and everybody just looks amazing. And usually you just need the sort of thing as like a bare minimum to have the fantasy work. You need these visuals. But this show just does such a good job, I think, you know, bringing it back to Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. There's a lot of effort put into those costumes, which look really great but it doesn't have all this supporting writing to make it work like this show does.
0: Yeah, and, and there's just something about about this this show, House of the Dragon, where it's, it's just like, there's something about, because you're more invested in the characters, the way you perceive these decisions, like the costumes and things like that, they feel more lived in. They feel mm-hmm. like it's real people wearing them and not like, actor standing on a set. And that's something that like I feel like is a really easy obstacle to, to fail to overcome in a fantasy show where you have your your performers just like wearing these insane things, standing around saying these insane lines. And if you don't do the right work to make your audience feel invested in them, then you're just going to see actors on a set wearing silly costumes um and i think this show time and time again you're just in this world you're never thinking that these are actors on a set you're in westeros you're seeing these the events play out in this fantastical world
2: like between but between those dresses that reneira wears oh my gosh I, i wanted to mention this too um the birthing scene I believe oh. it's in the finale. So we um, haven't even brought brutal. this whole
0: thing up. There are so many complications with uh, birthing, with, with giving birth in this show. I mean, in, in episode one, there's an insanely traumatic birth with Rainier's mom. Mm-hmm. She dies and and Viserys has to make the call to essentially like give up on them saving his wife and his son and i think then with Damon's, uh wife when she gets fucking blasted with fire by the dragon when she's having trouble giving birth it was was her choice yeah and then and then yeah and then at the end here with uh with rainier who we, we had already seen had trouble giving birth earlier um oh my God, I just remember that scene where she has to walk to Allison right after giving birth immediately. What a way to introduce that version of the character. That's so fucked up. I
2: mean, I think there was, you know, I I can't like, you know, as a white man, I can't really speak to the challenges that a woman faces. But to me, that final birthing scene um, with with the stillborn baby and her just like, Pulling her own fucking baby out and being like, get the fuck out of me. Like do it alone. It's so visceral. She's doing it by herself. And all I could think about, like at the end of that scene, was like, a man could never. Mm -hmm. There is no fucking king. There is no man in this in this Game of Thrones universe who could ever, you know, do something like this, experience that level of pain and courage to get through that. Right. Um, and <laughs> even af- after she gets through that, she still has this, you know, the influence from her father of considering the best of everybody all the way mm-hmm. up until her son is killed.
1: It is funny that since it got brought up about all the childbirthing things, things. Um, so a friend of the pod and best friend of uh, Gaia, Kayla uh just had a baby girl born and she's a huge huge game of Thrones fan so watching house of the dragon and multiple while times has been like yeah multiple times been like hey this show is not a good hang to watch while pregnant um, no way. <laughs> because of all of the scenes that you're talking about here uh fortunately she did have a a, a healthy baby baby girl born yeah thank that God. i'm now the godfather of but i uh just I could see watching this show while pregnant does not seem like a fun time because there's a lot of uh, complications that are occurring and just it's tough. Not a good time. Um it's Yeah, tough out but there.
0: I, I think, I mean, going back to the point I said earlier about like, you know, the, the female perspective to the directing. Um I, I think this show is making an effort to put women behind the camera. Um, Obviously like, Miguel Sapochnik and Ryan uh Conlin are still the uh the kind of main showrunners, but it seems like they are trying to give more of a female perspective to the story in a way that maybe mm-hmm. the original show didn't prioritize as much, at least early on. Um and again, addressing some of those, some of those criticisms that you brought up about, you know, kind of misogynistic tendencies of of some of the storytelling choices. And I think that, you know, this show might not be perfect in that regard, but at least it is trying to put some of those things front and center and, and give us those challenges that are not something that we as men are ever going to face. Like we can't give birth. We don't have wombs. We don't have uteruses. We could never imagine what that's like. And to put that, um, very specific pain in the middle of a story like this, it seems like, like a really important choice and to layer on all of the things about succession. And can a woman be the leader of this, of this um, realm and, and succeed the King and be a queen. um, It is a fascinating story to tell. And I think that this, first season did a really, really good job at telling it and, and seeing all the different perspectives in it. When you have Rhaenyra, uh, being this heir and Alison being, um, you know, kind of the voice of, uh, fighting against that, that, uh, claim to the throne with her son, Aemond or Aegon. I get all the fucking names confused.
1: God, how could you fucking all it the
0: A dude. names? Uh, it's so easy to remember to keep all. It's of
1: your so A's easy straight. to remember, dude. It's um. That's I why think... we've definitely been referring to only uh, characters by their actual character name this entire podcast. Not like uh, what was it? Ramirez's that guy... older
0: son? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I think they they you know they not they the one who gets much... eaten. The other one <laughs> they pretty much nailed it. Maybe not a hundred percent. Maybe not like a ten out of ten hit rate, but um i admire what they went for and i'm excited to see what's next i i think it is a great great achievement so any final thoughts boys on house of the dragon as we wrap up here
2: but uh final thoughts for me i'm i'm really just all in on rhaenyra um the the way that character is developed uh emma to rc i am just so blown away I, i feel like i'm really sensitive to bad acting and just you know having it taking me out of like the fantasy but what they're able to do is just glorious that that so final impressive. shot the final shot of them staring into the camera oof mm-hmm. i mean you, you know like you know i, I yeah. had heard some i had heard some complaints like oh this this character is just taking so much shit and not doing anything about it but this is the straw that broke the, that breaks the camel's back this actor is capable of some amazing things that we haven't even seen yet yeah. Um, I'm very excited about that.
0: And it's not going to be Daenerys all over again. It's not going to be like, oh, I'm suddenly a war criminal and I'm going to (laughs) fucking destroy people with my dragon. I I feel like it's going to be a little bit more nuanced than that.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I keep highlighting it, but I I like where the show ended up. I really like that. I know it's like episode nine, episode 10. They are split out as two different episodes, but this kind of felt like a two part finale. Yeah. Like we're just seeing again, like two sides of the same coin. Like we get the Allison finale and then we get the Rhaenyra, uh finale and just kind of seeing those two sides of everything. Really excited to see what Emma Darcy and Olivia cook do. in next season moving forward, just cause really I like, I like where the pieces
0: are at now. Let Olivia cook let olivia cook let olivia cook um (laughs) all right guys thank you so much for tuning in to our coverage of house of the dragon season one uh thank you brett for coming on i hope we have you on again soon and stick around for more robin series with uh bison no we next, Bicentennial Man? Uh, <laughs> we, we're not. We're doing a second episode
1: of Bicentennial Man. <laughs> I don't even, want to, I don't, I don't even a, want to fucking address that shit. The crowds are clamoring
0: for. Are you going to
1: defend Bicentennial
0: Man? As no, I'm like not a going a to say anything. Masterpiece. I'm not going to say anything. Good try. you yeah. Brett loves dragons and he also loves robots. So yeah. get it straight. Uh, no, we're doing one hour photo and death to Smoochie next. But also cool. check out. Um, Hunter and I talking instant reactions to Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, also lots of new movies coming out will probably hit you with thoughts on the Banshees of sharon uh Bones and All, and lots of other good stuff. Like she said, Tarlemen's tar. You
1: guys gotta join the tarmy.
0: Yeah. I'm out here on Tarmy Island right now. Any uh, anything you want to let the people know, anything you want to plug, Brett? Yeah, any, usually I, any good stuff you got going on.
2: I, I don't really shout out, you know, any personal social media or anything. I do want to shout out um, this kind of pseudo yo-yo boom that's going on. I encourage you guys to just I mean, do a do a little Google, do a little YouTube search into yo-yo and what's going on with some of our influencers we have. They're doing a lot of hard work and doing a lot of really cool stuff globally for yo-yo, taking advantage of the TikTok model and YouTube. Oh, and whatnot. nice um it's really interesting um take a look at it i I still i am i've been a yo-yo for most of my life uh i think it's like the best skill toy out there and it's having a resurgence right now
0: so go check it out where where are your where are your yo-yo TikToks, brett i have a couple yeah you can check out
2: i think i'm at popsicle profit on tiktok so you can go ahead and follow me there
0: that's what i like to hear all right thanks for listening please rate review subscribe like and comment let us know what you thought of hot d and stick around. Thank you donors for donating. Recommend the show. We'll see you next time. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye.